Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Well, I'm glad you're here. We're in the uh, middle of a series on authority. It's titled In Authority, and we've just been discovering what is God's plan for authority. First, we talked about the fact that he made it. Amen? God established authority. He made it. We have the choice to use it either good or bad, but God established authority always for good. He said it was good, everything he created was good, and everything in Christ is designed for good and for our good. So God placed authority on the earth for our good, and authority is really designed by God's plan to create movement, good movement. Unfortunately, it gets used for bad. But we talked about how God established authority to create movement. In fact, all movement on teams and in organizations happens by authority. If authority is paralyzed, then a movement is paralyzed. All right? If, if, if authority is misused, then we begin to blow up and then harm and destroy people. Not so good. So last week, we talked a little bit about what, how authority works and that we are actually in authority, and we liken it to being inside of a giant piece of heavy machinery. So you jump in, and the machinery is bigger than you. It has more power than you, and it also has the opportunity to move things, do things bigger than you could do, and very easily could harm things. So we have to be really careful, but we talked a lot about how God's authority, it's his Jesus has it all, and one of the ways we learn how to use authority well is by knowing who it belongs to. All authority belongs to Jesus. He purchased it by his blood. He owns it. He created it, and now he possesses and owns it, and so he has all authority. So when you and I use authority, we are stewarding it. That's the amen spot. Amen. <laughs> Dramatic pause for the amen. I'm going to say it one more time because the foundation of what we're going to talk about today, which is about how it all goes wrong and blows up and when we make mistakes and others make mistakes, how we respond, right, and and how to do that in a godly way. We're going to talk all about everything you're thinking about. Well, Pastor, what about this? What about when this guy does that or that girl does this? Okay, we're going to talk about that today. But you and I have to understand where it comes from and who it belongs to. Authority belongs to Jesus. And when you and I are placed in his authority, we're in his authority. It doesn't belong to us. We only steward it. And we will be judged or held accountable based on how we stewarded his authority. If we steward it well, we get a reward. If we steward bad, guess what? We don't get a reward. And, and the Bible says in James that those who lead and especially preach and teach will be held at a higher account. Watch out. Here's the thing about authority. Authority is easy to judge, difficult to do. Easy to judge, difficult to do. Oh, they should have done it this way oh that's the wrong way to blah 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 judgment we cast judgment on authority probably more than any other place we cast judgment you can say it Uh uh-oh is it your place to be the judge of authority no 
Okay. And who does authority belong to? Jesus. Is it Jesus' place to judge? Yes. Okay. So let's let him do his job and you do your stinking job. Okay? <laughs> Stay in your lane. Do your job. Let him do his job. We always get in trouble when we overreach. If you read the teaching of the Apostle Paul when he's teaching in, uh, uh, leaders in, in Corinthians, um, he talks about, hey, it was within my jurisdiction to lead you this way. I wasn't getting outside my line when I led you the way that I did, when I used the authority that God gave me and trusted to me to lean into you. You're in my sphere. That was his space to lean into them and write to them and challenge them. And, and that's great. But he was not stepping outside of that boundary and leading someone else that was outside of his jurisdiction. Knowing where it begins and ends is crucial. And understanding that God shaped it and made it for something good is also really important for us to keep in mind. Because people get placed into places of authority and let's just kind of keep thinking in the context of the church because people everywhere else you know what a lot of ungodliness and stuff happens out in the world and in the workplace and our principles always stay and apply but one of the things that that, that I want to see and I believe is the heart of this message this whole series is that the church gets it in the church, we get it. We can then reach and apply into our workplace and stuff, and that's great, and that will be a blessing. That's godly, and we should. But the church needs to get this. We need some shifting. We need to begin to understand how authority works and lead in it well and be an example in it. If love is not moving in authority, we are off track every time. Okay? So authority can easily be used for good and bad. One of the high-level things that we need to see is that for every person in the church, the, the, the number one thing that I believe is driving each one of us, and I think this is a word of wisdom for our church, is safety. One of the reasons we want to judge and we want to be so hyper-vigilant against authority or seeing if it's done right is because every human being wants to feel safe. And when we give or we submit our heart to an authority figure, that freaks us out. There's part of this that makes us ask really important questions. How much of my life am I submitted to when I'm submitted in authority? Where is the boundary? Where does it begin and end? We've seen abuse of power in the church where people sh like oversee or take authority over way too much in people's lives, over their personal lives. And that's an overreach. So we're like, oh man, if I'm submitted, then I can be hurt, right? And all the things that I build can be broken or disrupted by this person or these people that I'm submitted to. And you know the other thing is we're just in our flesh, we're selfish people. We don't want to be mistreated, and that's scary, so we want to be safe. And we also don't want to give up the things that we want to do. Because we kind of want to be the bossy bosses of ourselves. Right? I mean, if we're, I want to, too. And I have to go, no, Lord, I actually want, like Jesus did when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, Lord, 
not my will, but your will be done. What I want to do in my flesh is run from all responsibility and golf every day. What do you want to do? Fly your airplane, go fishing every day? I don't know what it is, but God put us on assignment and asked the church and commissioned the church to go make disciples and make an impact, make a difference, matter to other people's lives. And you and I don't matter to people's lives if we hide in a freaking cabin for our whole life. So God wants us to work together to accomplish something great. And so we have to learn how to be submitted to one another, Ephesians 5 says, out of reverence for Christ, not only in our marriages, but in the church. We have to learn how to honor one another, submit to one another, love one another, lead well, use God's authority well. But when we submit, we freak out. Our flesh gets scared. And for good reason, huh? Because it doesn't want to be submitted and do stuff that other people think we should do and just go, well, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. I'm going to trust the authority figures you put in place and I'm just going to do it. And we're afraid of the abuse of power. But if I'm afraid of the abuse of power and that takes me out of the team, I'm going to say it like this. If my truster gets broken in my life, anybody's truster ever been broken before? Because people do stupid stuff, right? Okay, trust gets broken. It can be broken with a person, and you're like, ooh, I'm having a hard time trusting you again. That could be wisdom. But if your truster gets broken, this is a thing called inductive reasoning. Okay, so if, I'm a, if my truster gets broken because I get harmed by one person, now all people are bad. Okay, so one authority figure harms me. Now all authority figures are bad. Okay, inductive reasoning, it works like this. I'm a little child, and I touch a stove. Stove is hot. Then I go around, all stoves are hot. That's good, right? Inductive reasoning allows me to apply that principle of learning to all kinds of other areas of my life. Problem is, my dad, say my dad is a bad abuse of authority. Boom, he comes down hard on me. I get tweaked. My trust with my father is now broken. Now all fathers are bad abusive authority. Do I have a problem? Yes, I have allowed inductive reasoning to then take over the rest of my life. A church leader fails or makes mistakes and, and blows up our little world or whatever, harms us, hurts us. Now all church leaders are bad. Is that true? It's not true. A man damages, hurts you as a woman, mistreats you. Now all men are bad and evil. Not true. But inductive reasoning wants to drive us into that space. Our desire and and need to feel safe, wants to push, hide us, and cause our truster to get broken. But if your truster is broken, your ability to be a part of a team is also broken. You cannot be a part of the church, integrated, effective, your gifts causing to bring life to the other gifts, if your truster is broken. You can have mistrust in individuals that have truly lost it and should not get it back, or need to earn it back, that's fine, but that's different than I can now no longer trust anyone or people in authority. Well, I'll be in the church, but I'm not trusting the authority in the church. Scrunchy wave bye-bye. No, not here. Look, you can be here and get healthy and well. You're welcome. Stay here and be healthy and well, but don't cause problems. 
in the name of Jesus. For your sake and my sake. We're going to read a few scriptures. We're going to look into, first we want to feel safe. We understand God created authority. He created for movement. We all want to be safe. We understand this concept of inductive reasoning where we apply brokenness to all, all these extended areas of our life and we need to not do that. That's not healthy and well. But we also need to get a vision for how God sees authority in the church. He has a vision for it because he made it. So 2 Corinthians 10 verse 8. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. This is the Apostle Paul teaching the Corinthians. Okay? Authority is made for what? Building up. Not tearing down. This sounds a little familiar to Corinthians 12, maybe Romans 12. The gifts are for what? Building up. Leadership is a gift. Leaders get authority to carry out the cause. And people need to be submitted to leaders so we can move. But it's for building up, not tearing down. So we know when an authority figure is off track, and we know when a congregation member or a team member is off track, is when anyone is tearing down with words, actions, behaviors. It doesn't matter how subtle they are. You throw a little tiny seed of division, divisiveness, or uh, to unsettle or destable or undermine a leader, you have walked in sin. You are now harming the church. Doesn't matter if you're the leader or not. Any direction. We all can damage it. All right. So authority is for building up. Hebrews 13, 17. We're going to read this in two different versions. New Living and then in the Amplified. Obey your spiritual leaders. So we have spiritual leaders. What? I have a spiritual leader. If you don't have a spiritual leader, you're not in the church. And the enemy's plan for you is to isolate you because he's out there roaming around to see whom he can devour. If he isolates you, you're not part of the team. If you're not part of the team, your gifts aren't contributing. You have no synergy. There's no multiplication, and that's what the kingdom is made for. 30, 60, 100 times what's sown. So you're outside the team. All alone. No great things are accomplished by people alone. In fact, we're vulnerable and we are ready to be eaten by the enemy out there, and that's exactly where he wants us. So listen, you need a spiritual leader. If your truster is broken and you're freaking out, you need counseling. And no big deal. My truster has been broken. I've had trust broken, and my truster has been broken, and I've had to get help. Because I know I still want to be on the team. And I don't want to be just check out because, well, I just give up because other people can't do it perfect. Big surprise. Pretty sure that's not a surprise to the Lord. Their work is to watch over your souls. There's a work. There's a job. It's to watch out for you. They're accountable to God. It doesn't say they're accountable to you. Let it sink in. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. When you become a pain in their rumpus, then it is bad for you too. 
Sorry about all my... It's in the Bible. I'm pretty sure it said that right there. <laughs> it's such a good thing that I was not charged with writing any scripture. <laughs> the Lord knows. It would be fun, though. It'd be a fun read. I feel like, what? The Holy Spirit would be like, Tanner, get that, stop that. Okay. Here we go in the Amplified. This is going to slow it down just, we're going to slow it down just a little bit. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them. And here's the Greek. Continually recognizing their authority over you. Whoa. This is godly. This is where your greatest empowerment lies. Because you have power because you're in it. You're in it when you're submitted, right? Okay, so when we get in, we get, we get power. When we get in, we, we have the charge of the Holy Spirit moving in and through our life. But it comes through submission and authority to our spiritual leaders. I'm submitted to elders in this church. You all need to be submitted to me and the leaders that we put authority in, right? Their job is to operate with integrity because they're accountable to God. But we need to recognize them with honor and we need to recognize them continually. That doesn't mean we get a break, okay? Well, I recognize them nine-tenths of the time, you know, seven-eighths, three-fourths. Just that one quarter of the time I was undermining and dividing and sowing dissension. That's fine, right? For they are continually or constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare. That's their job, is to look out for you, not their own interests. When authority figures are looking out for their own interests, they create damage in the body of Christ. They're building their own kingdoms rather than looking out for your welfare. That is also a mistake, and it's part of why we have a hard time trusting authority, amen? As men who will have to render an account for their trust, they have to give account. For their trust. Trust is one of the most crucial components in all healthy relationships, but especially when we're talking about operating in teams. Do your part. You have a part. Let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning. For that would not be profitable to you either. I want to unpack trust just a little bit. Without trust, guys, we have no teams. Trust is the most important commodity within a team. And when it breaks down, we slow down. Because we want to be what? Safe. Thanks. You remembered. You were listening. My own wife was listening to me. Blesses my soul right there. Oh. You get a gold sticker. I'm taking you out for lunch. Okay. When we feel unsafe, it's because we don't trust, right? It's because we want to be safe. The more we trust, the safer we feel. If I say this, they're going to understand what I meant. I don't have to say it perfect. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I got what that. I know you. I get what you meant by that. We're moving. Stephen Covey says trust is the speed of efficiency. Trust is the speed of efficiency. The more you trust, the faster you go. The less you trust, the slower you go. You trust zero, you go nowhere. That's why if your truster's broken, you're not going anywhere. 
If your truster's broken, you need to go to the mechanic. Get your truster fixed. Turbocharge your truster, okay? We have to learn how to be wise and be with people that can be trusted, and we need to be people who are trustworthy. It's a reciprocating relationship, and God designed it this way to create healthy tension in the body so that we're always being accountable, always working together, causing each person to become better. We're building each, each person up, not judging each person and pulling them down. But you and I need to learn how to trust. We need to learn how to trust good. Is that the way to say it? Trust good. Need to trust good, sons, daughters, do it. And learn how to become a master of trust, building and maintaining trust so others will trust you because you're trustworthy and learning how to trust others and build them up in trust, building up the body in trust. See, one of the ways we do this is, the Bible teaches us here in Corinthians 1.10, in harmony and without division. I appeal to you, 1 Corinthians 1.10, a Paul, again, teaching the Corinthians. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Where? How many divisions? So why do you think your division is okay? <laughs> oh, but Lord, you must not have meant this one that I'm responsible for because that authority figure is so bad. And no one should trust that person. It's my job to make sure they are accountable. So I'm bringing them down. And I'm going to make sure people don't trust them. So I'm going to say things and do things to help create division around that person's trust. You know what? If that's you and you were standing right here next to me, I'm just going to lie. Get a little bit farther away so the lightning bolt doesn't hit me too. <laughs> I'm so glad God does not just strike us with lightning or open up the ground like he did in the Old Testament and swallow up rebellion. That's what he wants to do with rebellion is eat it with the ground. If you want to know how God feels about it, Look at how he felt about Korah's rebellion against Moses. Ground open, what a thousand people or whatever it was, swallowed up and then closed, and he goes, problem solved. Again, just move a little bit. If you're operating in rebellion, you're, you're causing any measure of division, you have just stepped off of God's team. And you're on the other team. I know I've told this story before about when I used to play basketball and I was terrible. I, I was like a star on the football team and then i go directly from football and everybody's like, you're the hero! And i get like all these awards and stuff and i go to be like, ride the pine on the basketball team. Like really bad. And I would foul a machine. I'd foul out by halftime. I was just bad. 
And I remember I ended up on the varsity team when I was a freshman, no, as a sophomore, early in sophomore year, and I was terrible. And the coach goes, I just need you here because I need you to beat up all the guys in practice. You're terrible. We all know you're terrible. You're not going to play, okay? He literally talked to me like this. It's not a joke. And he got so mad at all the other players that he put me in one time. I was like, I'm bad. Like, I'm really bad. And I go in, and they pass me the ball. I literally, I go in the basket. They pass me the ball. I turn to pass to where the guy thought the guy was supposed to be. I turn and pass it, and the dude's not there. And the ball just goes and bounces out of bounds. And there's literally no one on that side of the court. And my coach goes, Tanner, on the bench. I was literally in the game for five seconds. In, make a mistake, and he just pulls me right back out because the stop, clock stops when you throw the ball out of bounds, right? And I remember this coach, his name was L.D. Boatwright. And Coach Boatwright looks at me and he goes, boy, whose team are you on? And I'm like, I really don't know. <laughs> just put me on the bench. I thought I was only practicing. Okay. Wasn't ready for that moment. If you're causing division in the body of Christ, Whose team are you on? You're not on God's team. There's only your team and the devil's team. And when you're on your team, guess what? You think you might be doing your work, but Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in the book of John, and he said, listen, you think your father is Abraham? Your father's not Abraham. Your, your father's the devil. Your father is the devil. And you're not following the Father's ways, you're following his ways. The devil is the author of rebellion and division and lies and hatred. And if you do any of those things, gossip, slander, any of that stuff towards any authority figure, Romans 13 says all authority figures are given in place by God in the world and in the church. You are operating on the wrong team and by the wrong spirit. And you're just going to have to own that. There is no example, no opportunity, no way, not one, where you get an opportunity to be divisive in the church. And God's okay with it. And somehow that's righteous and justified. Not happening. Look, if you're an elder in the church and you're over the pastor and you're coming alongside the pastor to shepherd and your job is to bring accountability to that role, then you get to speak in. You get to lean in because you are in authority. Good, but those people aren't to gossip, slander, undermine, create division. Their job is to lead with love to build up the pastor. And if that means the pastor needs to be adjusted, part of adjustment and is building up is being adjusted. It's not like everything every authority figure ever does is righteous and perfect. Sometimes it's stupid. Right? But creating and causing division is never part of the plan. It is always, always, always to be submitted. Let's look at the life of David with Saul just briefly as we're looking into how we can walk in submission when authority figures go sideways. So Saul, in, in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel 26, I don't have the slides here because it would be like a billion slides and be like, Brrr. Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 26 we see Saul, David rises to fame, and he's so powerful, but he's still submitted. He's not the king. He's like the number one general, and he's just kicking butt. 
Saul loses the anointing during this time and he, because he makes a bunch of mistakes, not submitted to God, and God starts to deal with Saul, okay? And Saul starts to freak out. And he sees David, and Saul's in authority, he's the king. David is not. David's playing his little harp for Saul, trying to help his, his pastor out, okay? He's trying to minister to him, singing sweet melodies, right? And Saul freaks out. He picks up a spear. It says he had jealousy and rage in his heart, and he tries to solve his problem. He thinks it's David, and so the authority figure chucks a spear right at David. David dodges it. Matrix style, I'm sure, right? Slow motion. And then, guess what? Guess what David does? Listen, when your authority figure goes bad, you have some options. You still have options. All right? If your options are never to create division, divisiveness, gossip, slander, or partner with the enemy, what can you do? What did David do? If someone threw a spear at you, what would you do? Dodge it. You have the right to dodge, okay? You can dodge and deflect, and you can also run for your life. When an authority figure goes bad, you can run for your life. You do not ever have to stay under an abusive authority. That would actually not be godly or right to allow yourself to be abused and harmed under an ungodly authority and say that's submission. Yeah, yeah, you can still, staying submitted is still part of your job. How do you stay submitted and still run and still not allow yourself to be abused? You can do both. David did both which is pretty amazing. So one of the things we think, it, we vacillate or we have this bipolar experience where we think, okay, my job is like to be all in and then I'm all in and it's so great and all in authority is perfect and they never make mistakes, then I'm totally submitted. But the second they make a mistake, I'm, I get to divide, I get to be divisive, I get to beat them up, I get to talk bad about them and I get to do whatever I want. Oh, really? So then we also think I no longer have to be submitted to God and or that authority that's in place. Being submitted to them doesn't mean obeying them if they ask you to do something sinful. You don't have to submit to them telling you to do something sinful. And you don't have to submit to them and to allow them, them to abuse you. You can run and still stay submitted. You can hide. <laughs> David did. He went and hid in caves. And you know what else he didn't do? He did not, when he left, he ran. He didn't take anybody with him. He did not create division. Guess what? The devil wants to create division. And he wants you to feel good about it. He wants to think, see, if he gets you to think your sin and rebellion is godliness and righteousness, you'll do it with great cause. 
You'll do it with a big badge of honor. You'll run around with your sword and shield and your big, you know, cross, and you'll just go in and slaughter a thousand people like they did in the Crusades and say, that was Jesus. God was with us. God did not make you the slayer of pastors and leaders in your church. And there's no righteous cause that gives you the right to do it. And you will be held accountable. And you should walk in the fear of God. And so should I. We will all be accountable, all right? So just because some leader is not awesome, fill in the blank, however you see that, not awesome, behaving badly, you run doesn't give you the righteous cause to defend and divide and deceive and partner with the enemy spirit. Because that's his plan. His plan is to destroy authority. Because if he stops authority, what does he stop? Movement. Movement in the church. And guess what? Here's the secret. Satan lost all the authority. So what he wants is to get it back. He lost the authority and he got a death sentence. He's on death row. And he's waiting for his appointed time. And he knows that. And he also knows that God said, I'm going to come back when the full number of Gentiles has come in. Nobody knows what that number is. But everybody knows it's a number. And Satan's smart enough to know that has a time frame. The more effective the church is, the shorter the time frame. The better the authority of the church moves the kingdom, the shorter the time frame, the shorter the prison sentence, the death sentence for the, for the devil. All right? He lost all the authority. He wants to create time for himself, so he wants to disrupt your authority. And he wants it back. Because authority gives you significance if you want to find it in it. And the devil wants to find any significance he can in using your authority. God's authority he entrusted to you. Let's say it exactly right. Jesus' authority he entrusted to his children. If he can deceive you to let you give him some of it, then he will. He'll do it. Well, my wife and I are praying for this gal, totally demon-possessed. We found her on the side of the road. Terrible situation. I tell you all about it, but it take too long. And we're praying for her, and these demons start talking to us. It's wild. And uh, they're like, we have the right to be here. She gave us the right. I'm like, that's not good. That's not good. Don't give the devil the right to be in your life. Listen, you, you, you have a... You have the right to possess the authority God gave you and to use it the way he called you to use it, to build up or tear down. But God wants you to build up and protect, all right? So if you find yourself in the midst of a crazy, mad authority figure like Saul and he starts chucking spears at you, you have options. David had options. He ran. He hid. In fact, when he found Saul and he had the opportunity to kill him in a cave, Saul wanders into this cave that they were hiding in from him, and they're like, there he is. David cuts off the edge of his cloak, and then God convicts him because he took just the tiniest piece and dishonored the tiniest piece of God's authority. 
And David felt cut to the heart, and he repented. He's like, I should never have done that. The next time he had a chance to kill Saul, he actually sneaks down into the camp, and he had learned his lesson. And he sneaks down into the camp, and he said, everybody's like, let's kill him now. And he goes, no, that's God's job to judge this authority figure, not mine. He still is an authority, so they went and they took his spear in like a jug of water, right? And they go up and they hide, and then he does another thing, which you also have the opportunity to do, is appeal a righteous appeal to the authority figure that's in place. You can appeal with honor and righteousness. He still stayed submitted to God. He didn't just take out the authority when he thought, well, God delivered him into my hands. And guess what? People around you will tell you, you should do it. And they're the people you might trust the most. But you're gonna stand before God and the enemy will try to use everybody around you to say, oh yeah, you go divide that church. You have the righteous cause to do so. No, you know what? You have the right to hide. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to be submitted. And you have the right to a righteous appeal. And then you can ask the Lord, God, will you release me from this place and this leader because I don't trust them. I don't feel safe here. And I want my truster to remain intact And I want to know that it's okay for me to go somewhere else. And if he says yes, then you pray about where God wants you to go. But if he doesn't release you from the place that you're in, guess what? You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to appeal to your authority. And you have the right to stay submitted and to operate in God's godly ways. You have the right to build up the kingdom with your gifts. You don't have to walk and be abused. If you're in a marriage, and because this comes right into marriage, where the enemy is lying to you or some person says, I'm an authority over you, and you have to do everything I say, and you have to be submitted to me because I'm your husband, and I'm going to do abusive things to you. If, that, if that's happening, look, you have the right to run. And you don't, you don't have to run that person under the bus. You don't have to... Uh, uh, do ungodly things because they did. You don't have to go cheat on your husband. You don't have to go do a bunch of sin because they are sinning. And you don't have to stay and put up with it. That's not submission. We submit to righteousness. And leaders make mistakes, right? We're never gonna be in a place where everybody's perfect. You're not gonna be perfect. I'm not gonna be perfect. But the key is, is that we build one another up. We make it right. We walk in humility and love. If we can allow humility, love, and submission to be a part of what we're doing and everything, and I just think about this. If you want to be an authority figure who operates godly, and I said this a little bit last week, just think about what the Father does. You want an image of how to lead and how to follow godly authority? How does the Father lead? Does he yell and scream and control and manipulate and say, I'm in charge here. Everybody submit to me. And he doesn't overreach, does he? He lets you choose. Godly authority doesn't overreach into places of your life and says, well, you can't buy that boat because I'm your pastor or your elder or whatever. Or you should marry that person or shouldn't marry this person or you should get this job or shouldn't get that job or don't listen to that stuff. That's a massive overreach. We're not called to be submitted in those areas. We're called to be submitted in the areas that move the church. 
And then we add value to one another's lives, sowing into one another's lives wisdom, love, godliness, what's pure and righteous and holy. That's all of our job, building each other up in faith, in love. Come on. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. God, we're asking that you give us revelation today. We're just going to wait on you, Father. We want your presence to come and to minister to us, Lord. We don't want to be on the enemy's team, Father. We want to be on your team. We want to walk in your ways. We want to walk in your love. Jesus, will you pour out your spirit on us right now? Holy God, we're inviting your presence to come and minister to us. God, we ask that even prophetically you begin to speak to each one of us your truth about authority. Lord, every place that our truster has been broken because of bad examples and people that have hurt us, Lord, we just... We just forgive and release them for the wickedness and the evil of the bad things that they have done, Father. Not perfect. And they've harmed and hurt us. We release them in Jesus' name. And we, we just release forgiveness and we release bitterness, God. We cause it to go. Forgive us for the bitterness that's been in our heart and hatred towards leaders. And God, that our trust has been broken towards all leaders. If your trust has been broken towards all leaders, Lord, right now we break that off in Jesus' name and we just speak healing over the hearts of those in this church that the trusters have been broken. And we just draw them back and we speak back into the team, back onto the church team in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would allow your love to rise up like a, like a rapid tidal wave, a tide that lifts every boat, that lifts every heart, every life in this church and causes us all to behave better, love more. And God, we would exalt you in humility to move your kingdom forward and every place that we are found in authority and have responsibility and we are accountable to you, God, that we would be found faithful using your authority with love, with wisdom, humility in Jesus' name. Will you cause your love to move forward in and through this church? Every life, every person. Heal relationships today, God. God, and I pray for a powerful move of your Holy Spirit because you love unity, God. And you want unity of the brethren, unity of heart, mind, and spirit. So God, will you do that in and through each one of us? Will you pour out your great grace on this church, God? We want your love today. We want your love today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.